0: Welcome to Reels on the Rocks, the show where your hosts, Whiskey and Sweet Tea, discuss film from the unpretentious perspective. Today's topic, the Jim Carrey-led romantic comedy, Yes Man. Please be advised, spoilers are ahead. We're back with uh again yes man first off i want to say if you're listening to us on our youtube audience please subscribe hit that notification bell we still love you guys you guys are the original audience um but we're also welcoming you know any new people who've discovered us on spotify or other podcast platforms welcome guys
1: Welcome, and if I could interject, obviously, especially if you tuned in for our last episode, we keep talking about this movie. If you're confused, um, the reason is because the audio actually got corrupted and we didn't know until the editing process, so we actually have to re-record this episode. Um, So if you're confused, like, oh, what are they talking about? Last week's episode was (laughs) Yes Man. That's why. So now (laughs) it's this week's episode. But at least now you know uh, that it's Zoe Deschanel month. And also, just figured... What the heck? Uh, for fun, I'm just going to throw out there that this actually isn't the first time we've re-recorded an episode. Uh, last time, it didn't mess with our schedule, so it wasn't noticeable. But if anyone can guess, either tweet at us or if you're watching this on YouTube, put it in the comments. If you can guess what episode before this one was re-recorded, we're possibly like i'd be down to do a giveaway um so if anyone (laughs) can guess i don't know maybe like an amazon gift card or
0: something like that right and just throwing this out there because this is something that i do uh rules of the competition of the (laughs) competition the competition is it's the first person only
1: (laughs) yes no no repeats as soon as we got a winner we've got a winner right Um, and we'll like we'll say like again if you tweet at us we'll like comment or retweet or whatever that you're the winner. If it's a comment, we'll pin the comments so everyone knows. But uh yeah, just thought that might be a fun thing and who knows, maybe maybe we'll have a winner, maybe we won't. Maybe anyway, we'll- getting <laughs> Going back into Yes Man. This Going week. back
0: Yes Man, the 2008 uh, Jim Carrey-led comedy. Let me just go through the stats really quick. We was have uh directed by Peyton Reed, starring Jim Carrey as Carl, Zoe Deschanel's Allison, Bradley Cooper's Peter, Danny Matson as Rooney, Rise Darby. I apologize if I'm saying that incorrectly. As Norman and Terrence Stamp as Terrence Bradley, the as I like to call him the cult leader. Um, it was adapted from Yes Man, a memoir by Danny Wallace. Um, and yeah, so let's just go ahead and get into it.
1: So, yeah, so the good news is it's been a long enough time that I don't remember. Every little detail we talked about, but just get get me caught up again. Why you picked this movie for this month? Besides it being Zoe Deschanel month,
0: obviously. <laughs> well, Zoe Deschanel must actually came secondary because I know you had picked already for this month. Five hundred days of summer. Um, yes, and it, I, and it
1: was a complete coincidence. We had no idea until we both picked. It was like, wait a second, she's the lead in both of these movies.
0: So. so. Well, I I picked this one because actually I fielded a couple people I was trying to understand because I I don't know if you if if our listeners know this, but uh, when um, Whiskey picks a movie, I try not to do any research into it. Uh, so I can be Because a lot of times he picks movies that I have never seen or never heard. Not I mean I've heard usually heard of them, but never seen or experienced before. So I want you know my reaction to be into it as authentic and not be you know tainted with any reviews or commentary on it. So I win. Generally, it, what
1: I do for your picks, too. right? Most of the time, well, I don't know. You've been pretty good about picking stuff I've never seen before, but. Generally, if you're tuning in for the first time, the rules with us is we do not talk to each other until we record the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I also, like, if I've never seen the movie, I will not look at anything until I see the movie and talk about it. Um, Like, if I'm doing some research, like, if I'm curious about, like, the box office or something, I might look at it. But generally, uh, I try and do the same thing that T does and just go in blind.
0: Well, to be fair, I do sometimes send you just random horror themed memes <laughs> That's true. in between,
1: um, but so and this one I had seen when I was a teenager. So this was, this was refreshing when you uh recommended it. I was like, Oh, I don't think I've seen this since it came out. Well, and I, um,
0: I had never seen this movie before because I had originally was going with, okay, Five Hundred Days of summer, it's a, it's kind of, it says sort of romance to it, but it's more serious. At least, you know, I was thinking of my ex. I hadn't seen it. Uh, so I, I started with some other movies and I was talking with my cousin, uh, and he was like you know you should do yes man and i was like why he says cuz i'd asked him if he'd seen the other one he was like oh you know it's they're both takes they're both t- different sort of takes on the manic pixie dream girl trope at least you know that was his opinion so that's kind of how we settled on this one so unlike most of the time where i've never seen I've, I've usually seen my movie before. I had never seen this one before. So this was kind of a fresh take for me. And it was kind of different because I think I've talked to you, and I think I've mentioned this to you when I was explaining why I picked it, um, was when I first saw like the, the trailers and everything for this movie, it looked very, you know, kind of like a bro comedy. Um, and so that's what I went into it expecting. And I was very, you know, actually kind of just I found it very refreshing. There were a few kind of broey moments, but for the most part, it was just very, you know, how can I say? It's 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 kind of basically almost just a, a classic romantic comedy. Uh Well,
1: it's got a very positive cuz if if for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, the premise is that he attends like this self-help conference where like basically the the mantras that you say yes to everything th- the idea is that you say yes to more things he gets into he he says no to everything he is he lives like a boring life he just rents movies and stuff um and so out of like curiosity and because people are saying like you know your your life is boring or what he goes to his conference he's very like Contrarian with the leader of the the conference, and so he like scares him by saying like you you're entering a covenant with me, and you have to say yes to everything. Right. If you don't, bad things will happen to you. Um. And so it's very similar. uh I'd I saw this as a teenager because I was a huge Jim Carrey fan as as a youngster from like you know late elementary school mm-hmm. up until then, and and he kind of went off and was doing like dramas and stuff like he was in one of my favorite movies of all time eternal sunshine he was in like the truman show which is pretty funny too Mm -hmm. but he kind of he started off as like a very zany comedy actor and then he started doing more serious work then he kind of had trouble getting back into comedy he kept picking like bad projects or whatever and so the thing with this is that the sim- the premise is super similar to a movie he did in the late 90s called uh, Liar Liar, where the premise in that one is he, uh, his son makes a wish that his father would stop lying. And so he literally cannot lie. Like, and he's a lawyer. Right. <laughs> so like, and, and it's not that he bad things will happen to him. It's that he physically cannot lie about anything. And it's great for Jim Carrey because his sort of performance is very, like, I hate to say overacting, but it's, it goes back to his background as, like, before, when, he, when he was a stand-up comedian, before he started doing sketch comedy and stuff, he was a, uh, he would do impressions. He was, like, an impressionist. So, with that type of comedy, it's almost like a living caricature. You're over exaggerating people's traits. You know, the way they talk and act, he does like facial expressions and stuff. Right. And so that kind of carried into his acting career, uh, at least in comedies, because, you know, he's doing a character that's very, like, for instance, in Liar Liar, the idea, again, is that he can't lie. So, the, it, but it, that's such a weird idea, right? Like, imagine something that most people can, like, do. And he, you know, very easily, and he's just struggling to like try and lie, and so he his performance is very like over the top. And yeah, it's kind of like even even if you've only seen him in like The Grinch, that's part of the reason they picked him for that role is because he's very good at contorting his face. And The yes. Grinch is very cartoonishly angry and stuff, so like that's that's something that's one of his strengths. And it goes back to even when he was like in his early twenties and he was just doing impressions at like open mic nights and stuff. Um, so the. The thing that they marketed this movie was like, oh, this is like Liar Liar. Um, So I was like, oh, hey, that's that's a good movie. And this sounds like a funny premise. I'll go check it out. And until we we recorded this podcast and stuff, I was under the impression it was the same director as Liar Liar, because that that whole period of Jim Carrey's career, he worked with the same comedic director, Tom Sadiak right um hope i'm pronouncing that correctly but he did ace ventura he did a uh, liar liar later on he did the bruce almighty and evan almighty movies so also. It's like,
0: just like big uh, uh what i'm trying to say just like big uh comedy titles these, these are all yes. these are all ones that even i've heard of
1: exactly and so the, i was under the impression that was the director but it's not uh yes man was directed by Peyton reed And he is also a pretty, like, it's funny. I didn't know this until we were recording the podcast, but so he did, uh, bring it on probably the best cheerleading movie. (laughs) Um, he did all the Ant-Man movies. So he's currently working with Disney and Marvel. Um, he's actually directed a few episodes of the Mandalorian. Uh, he did a movie called the breakup. Uh, and most importantly for this movie, he actually directed a few episodes of new girl. And, yeah, so like that's we talked about this um, last time we recorded, and we talked about this in Five Hundred Days of Summer. This was kind of right before Zoe Deschanel became what she is now. Like this right. was the year before New Girl premiered, so I think like a lot of these movies she was in kind of led to her acting in that show.
0: Well, and that's um, and that's because how because this... she's
1: essentially kind of playing the same character. Like the man, like there are plenty of manic pixie dream girls from this era. One of my. Uh, favorite like indie quote-unquote like uh, romance things like Garden State and that's Natalie Portman is kind of this goofy weird girl and stuff but I feel like what really cemented it in this like late 2000s era was Zoe Deschanel playing this character a lot in Mm -hmm. movies Um, and I'm sure there are some that we can't like I'm not even thinking of I know before this she was in stuff like The Happening with uh, uh, M. Night Shyamalan and Mark
0: Wahlberg unfortunately yeah, not a good movie <laughs> you know? um
1: and uh, also doesn't play to her strengths because as much as uh the manic pixie dream girl is sort of a, like eye-rolling part of this period of time uh it wasn't overdone at the at the moment and she just sort of like i wouldn't say that zoe deschanel playing herself but she's playing to her strengths. She like, she's very like her personality is a lot like these characters in real life. I don't think, you know, she, she teaches jogging classes with photography or anything, but she is into like very obscure, like music from like, you know, vintage eras and Mm -hmm, stuff like mm -hmm. that. And she's a very talented singer. You see that in both of these movies um so it just sort of is natural for her to do this and i don't add to and to be fair i also don't think she probably has to act as hard as she would for a more challenging role and there's nothing wrong with that yeah uh, because like you know if it's, it's a role that plays a strength of like, comfortable oh, I'm basically pl- yeah if i'm if i'm basically playing a version of myself uh why not right <laughs> um and like, and we I talked about this last time, but that was something that kind of irked me about this movie is the pairing of the two. I like, I don't think my opinions changed on that, really. I do think
0: because that he, it's a
1: little he, weird
0: she's like she's like in like her like early 30s and i think he's he's like isn't he like i mean he's like a 50s or 60s or something in this movie
1: i think she was in her late 20s oh wow 20s. okay and not that yes, not that we're, not that we're judging
0: we're not judging anybody's relationship we're just talking about specifically the chemistry wise with the well, the, the I, age I, difference I, I, played to it no
1: i do think age difference because it's more accepted Like and that that is something I think is a little weird. I don't think like it's inherently bad for there to be like uh, an age gap like that. But in Hollywood, it's normalized to the point where like I think one famous example is um, the actress who played uh, Tom Hanks's love interest in a movie. The next year, as soon as she turned like 30 or something, she was suddenly Forrest Gump's mom And it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, unless you're like in your 20s as an actress, like you're not going to be a love interest. And that has stopped uh, lately, but it is. It's weird. You don't see that really uh, with like older, uh, like female actors unless it's played for a laugh. Uh, And and this is taken for granted. And again, like and also like this was around the time I think I talked about this last time. But like so at around this time, Jim Carrey also had kind of a creepy moment where he like made like a YouTube video uh, directed at Emma Stone talking about how hot she is. And if he was 20 years younger, he would.
0: (laughs) That's uncomfortable. Marry
1: her and and so that sticks out in my mind. And obviously, Jim Carrey is not in charge of casting. It's just something that. I
0: d- it rubs me the wrong way that th- well and i can understand that unfortunately the the way especially this time period casting was is that um and i think it even is uh, to a, an extent still like this today uh, is that females are considered not essentially leading woman material in specific movies once they pass the age of 30 but, uh, That's but what I was talking yeah about. and but like men can essentially go on being leading men as long as they look somewhat presentable
1: <laughs> no exactly well and this was even kind of like people were poking fun at this i think they did this on purpose because it was funny but the most recent aunt may in the spider-man movies is not like she's very attractive and i don't even think she's 40 yet um and so the idea that this traditionally like elderly woman is being played by this like attractive younger actress is like right wait what yeah i don't know like and and again i think that that actually is played for laughs especially in the movies how tony stark is always like flirting with her and stuff mm-hmm. um but it, it it's that um but also again like part of it is the jim carrey did that at the time and it, it i always like think back to that. it was just um, it was an do uncomfortable afford- moment I will say that they have decent chemistry. I don't think that's that, true. Like, it doesn't come off as creepy. Like it's mostly like the real world seeping into my brain more than the movie right. doing anything. Yeah. Cause you know I'll say
0: mean? when I was watching, I mean, I, 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 he's obviously older in the movie, but you know, the age difference that you said their chemistry is good enough to where it, you don't focus on that at all. And like you said, it's probably just, uh, the real like you said the real world coming into it helping Again, that It along. has nothing
1: to do with the movie it yeah. has to do with what i know about jim carrey and what i know about like hollywood and stuff and it just
0: well it's weird um speaking of jim carrey and his work in this film you know he was he, he i did look in some of this he, he was quite dedicated to this movie i know you talked about how uh this is, he, he was kind of doing, this is kind of his, I think, I believe it's like, sort of comeback to comedy films after several years of just dramas. Um, and he, I, he, he, picked up this movie because kind of like you had mentioned with liar liar with just the natural comedy that comes into not being able to lie about things uh he was pretty sure you know he could that by just saying yes to things it would create lots of comedic moments and there are there are there are some genuinely funny moments in there um i don't think and i, and I do think i kind i when i was because I, I re-watched it again because he like said we are re-recording i re it again and i i I, it's it's interesting to you because I, what I appreciated the first time around is that it didn't become too risque, you know what I mean? Where it's, it could easily have crossed into some problematic territory, especially by today's standards. And I, Yeah, and I, I agree. I think it,
1: it's pretty tame. The one thing um, that I, I, I... Again, I don't think it would be taken as, uh, as well today, is the bit where um, he gets like an ad for a... Uh, uh, a mail-order bride right because he has to say yes he like you know clicks on it and so for a, a chunk of the movie he like has a, a like arab mail-order bride like right who he's uh, her, her, her name and, is and farusha I, did, I believe there's some payoff to that uh at the kind of like near climax and stuff but i don't think people would find that as funny now right it I definitely was kind of like yikes uh, but I don't think it's like overtly super duper offensive, or anything. right?
0: I but I, I like, guess I guess what I meant is that the movie could have easily have crossed into just many issues with like consent and you know things like that. And I'm I, I, and you know I was kind I, the the first time around I was kind of I was very appreciative of that that you know it did kind of stay clear of that. The second time around you know I'm I'm kind of I I wish it would have ridden. It would have not necessarily become problematic, but if it had come a little bit closer to that line, uh, because it does it does. I will say it does it does keep, you know, several yards away from that line of uh, 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 of consent and and problematic behavior that could arrive that could arise from this. But I I do think there was some missed opportunity for some potential uh, comedy there uh, by riding that line a little more.
1: My, my biggest criticism of this movie is that, like, it really just doesn't play to Jim Carrey's strengths. Um because and that's so odd. Style, because his acting style is so over the top. Like, this movie, he's not really that zany of a character. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he isn't, like, physically unable to say no, like, there's none of that sort of, like, there's there's none of that kind of...
0: physical
1: acting to it a lot of a lot of this it's situational comedy and that's it's not something he can't do but again like playing to his strengths it's not what he's best at and you know i i said this last time but it's like he there's no reason you needed to cast jim carrey in this role like you could have picked anybody Um, Who's obviously it would be best with like a comedic actor but there's not honestly it kind of felt almost like it was marketed as his big comeback rather than it being a movie that required him to be in it you know what I mean. And I don't think he does a bad job. I think the movie doesn't do a good job of giving him an opportunity to do a good job. Well, and
0: like like what you're saying about he didn't need to be in it, and that's exactly true. However, this movie, I think, only got made because he was in it. I did some more research and this. this, this, No, I don't think that. I don't think that. I
1: think it was cast because he wanted to get back into comedy. I don't think. I think this movie was written you know by itself and you know in hollywood casting is like much more of a process than oh who's best for the role i do think that this was whoever wrote it you know had this idea in mind and everything but i do think it's like you know some casting director was like oh jim carrey is looking to get back into comedy and this premise sounds a lot like liar liar um, yeah. So
0: this script was actually on the blacklist in 2007. So um, I do think one of the reasons why it got picked up off of it is because he was so he I guess he'd read it. He really really liked the script, and that's what allowed it to get this uh the, the have it made like by a major studio with an actual budget is because he was attached to it. Uh, because uh, the, because like I said, this was an adaptation of a memoir uh, by Danny Wallace, and I, I you know I haven't read the memoir, but uh apparently it was basically he just i there wasn't like a weird cult thing i don't think but he just challenged himself to say yes and it's kind of just about you know changes and weird situations happened and nothing as i think as grandiose to like a mail order bride or anything like it's like showcased in the movie but you know i think it was a script that was picked up and i think there was i just based on what i've read and of course i can't confirm any of this but I do think, uh, with Jim Carrey taking an interest in it, I do think they did punch up some of the comedy in it. Cause I feel like it was meant to be more of a, especially with it being on the blacklist. Um, I do think it was a movie that, that may may have had a little bit more heart in it originally, but of course I can't speak to that because I haven't read the original script, but that's kind of usually where I fall on, on uh, when I see something on the blacklist, I usually kind of see, see it. It usually has something more going for it than a big name attached. Um, I agree.
1: Um, for the most part, I've read some really bad blacklist scripts too. So sometimes I'm just like, why is this on But, um, and if anyone, if anyone listening doesn't know what the blacklist is, it's essentially like a list of really quote unquote good movies that no big studio bought. So it's like it's almost kind of like free game if you're like a producer or something. Like if you pay for the script, it's like oh this is going to be really good.
0: Well, not um, not necessarily. I actually found that out. It's actually just the most talked about ones, not necessarily good, but just the mon- the ones well, that are being passed around the most.
1: Oh, for sure. Well, and again, I'm I'm I kind of came to that conclusion myself anyway because I had to write some coverage for some blacklist movies, and some of them were awesome, and some of them I was like, honestly, like I was I was. uh it was for, there's a, a horror version of The Blacklist called The Bloodlist, mm-hmm. and I read one from that, and it sucked. It was bad. Well, I, um, I read, when I, w-
0: when I was interning, I read uh, the original script for Wish Upon, uh, oh, and nice. the script was good. I liked the script. I was actually, they, they let me take it home, and I, I was like, oh, I'm excited to read I liked the script. You know, and then I saw what happened to it, and I was like, oh, okay.
1: see that one that one is a good bad movie like that one is funny i like i'm not the only one with this opinion but that one's like the room for me it is incredibly funny some of the some of the things in it so even though it is a terrible movie i actually usually recommend like oh if you haven't seen it grab some popcorn it's not scary (laughs) at all it is the stupidest thing you'll ever see but the the script yeah, the script so was like,
0: originally I'm just saying the script originally for that had to had had some you know depth to it. But going back to Yes Man, you know whether or not you know Jim Carrey was right for he did kind of put his all into it. I, I you know I read some more. Uh, he. Uh, in the in he broke ribs doing <laughs> this movie. If I don't know if you remember about the beginning or at the, the bar. Yeah, the,
1: it was the uh the the bungee jumping.
0: right? No, not that one. That that I was actually to get that in a second. But he's at a bar and there's just a slapstick moment where he slips and knocks over a waitress or something, and he fell the wrong way and he broke three ribs. Poor guy. Yikes! And then the bungee I jump if that's scene. That's the take they used. Oh my! I know, right? I hope. Well, if it is, he in one take he gets back up and walks off. So he must have been in some serious pain doing that, if that is the take they use. The bungee jump scene was actually pretty interesting because he insisted on doing it himself. But what was interesting is the insurance company would not insure uh, the movie. with the. They wouldn't insure the leading man to do this because then, you know, if it happened while they were shooting, they have to shut down production. So they agreed to let him do it as long as it was the last thing they shot and it was done in one take gotcha gotcha uh so that so he, um, he you know he he and then he learned korean and and, and guitar for this so you know unfortunately even though the, the movie didn't fully you know pay off the way he was expecting it to i i can always admire somebody who puts effort into something that they believe in even if it doesn't turn out well that that was pretty cool no and
1: that's that's how he's always been he's um he's very like Sometimes he even goes kind of method to the point where it annoys people, but he always like one thing you can't say about Jim Carrey is he never half asses anything. He's always like, even if it's like a a silly, stupid movie, like he'll always put his all into it. And this goes back to like when he was on, um, in living color, Mm -hmm. one of his characters that he played was like this fire marshal. And like the joke was that the guy's like very accident prone, And so he has, like, a really deformed face from, like, all the, like, you know, horrible accidents he's been in. And a lot of that actually wasn't even prosthetics. It was just Jim Carrey contorting his face. So even just for, like, a character on a sketch show, like, he was making a face for, like, he said they couldn't shoot him for more than, like, 30 seconds. Because that's how long he could hold that expression. Mm -hmm. But there you go. Like, just (laughs) just a sketch on a comedy show. Um, And even... um, yeah. I mean, like he's, he's always been that way and he always is that way. Like he's, he puts his all into a role. You're like, even if, and I, I mentioned this last time, but like, uh, so after this movie came out, it didn't exactly revitalize his career because it right. kind of kept picking a lot of really bad projects afterwards. Not his fault. Um, one of them was dumb and dumber too, which sucked, but I was very <laughs> excited for that one. Um, and I'm sure, You know, on paper, it sounded like a good idea. Um, But one that he was in that was a terrible movie that I actually will put myself out and say it, he was the best thing about the movie was Burt Wonderstone.
0: Yes, my mother actually he, saw that at South by Southwest, because she went one year, and she said, yeah, people were walking out of the theater during that. It's,
1: it, it is terrible, but the one thing I thought was legitimately funny in the movie was Jim Carrey was the bad guy, and he was playing, because it's about like magicians, and he mm-hmm. was basically doing like a parody of Chris Angel, like Mind Freak, you know, like very edgy <laughs> yeah. comedy, like I'm going to swallow broken glass and stuff like that. <laughs> and he was so funny and he got like really buff for the role, too. So he could be like wearing like shirtless, wearing like a leather vest and stuff. Um, and he like the sort of magic tricks he did were like super violent and like creepy and like he just <laughs> playing it up. He was it, the movie sucks. I will not say like it's even worth checking out for his performance. Yeah, but he was like the one thing in that movie that was okay. Um, I'd almost like look up a compilation of like all the scenes he was in because he is funny. Well, I mean, um, and especially and,
0: especially for South by South, the we- the amount of weird stuff people show. People are walking out of your shoe at South by Southwest. I I can't really speak to any future that that film has. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, no one no one liked it. And that was <laughs> that was like a whole. I mean, that wasn't even a Jim Carrey, like he, again, he he was a character in it, but he mm-hmm. wasn't like, it was, it was a Steve Carell movie and he's had his share. Like I mentioned Evan almighty. That was not a good movie. um I, it, was,
0: you know, it wasn't, it so. wasn't good, but it was definitely one that when it came on TV, I'd watch it. I, I actually remember that one better than Bruce almighty. Uh, but there's a couple of things I wanted to get to. Cause I, cause I actually had some interesting discussion about this that I want to get to but I wanted to bring a couple of things to the forefront uh we have in this movie we have a very young bradley cooper especially if you just saw him in a star is born recently yeah, uh that's right. and he, he was before he,
1: oh my god this was before the first hangover that right like this is like he's like he baby
0: really... face in this one <laughs> Dang. uh we have that Crazy. and then this is kind of just something interesting um that I, I noticed you probably didn't notice this but i i remember around this time there was a there were some commercials for sears that had just dads um, like n- not real dads, but people playing dads in them. And I always remember yeah. there was this one where they had a whole, there was one where they were, there was a ping pong tournament. Cause I guess the women, I guess the idea is that the women were shopping and they were just playing ping pong or something <laughs> in some part of the store. And I re- there was some guy keeping score in there and I always remember his face and I was actually kind of, I was actually glad to see him in this movie. I'm like, Oh cool. He got some legitimate, you know, film work. You know, his name is Aaron Takahashi. Uh, I guess he's an he improv male nurse, right? Yeah. The male nurse guy. Yeah. He, uh, he, I guess he's an improv performer, but I, you know, that was kind of cool to see essentially what, what I consider, you know, just me as, as sort of an icon of TV commercials at this time period show up in this movie. That was kind of cool. And then the other thing I was going to say is the, her band Munchausen by proxy. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. So that the 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 band and the backup singers and everything, everybody except Zoe Chanel is an actual all female band. Um, I'm not sure if it's still around, but they were they were based out of San Francisco. They were named Von Iva, and they were chosen essentially because the music supervisor, I guess, was at Amoeba one day and saw their album and I guess liked it, and so they got the gig. But I just wanted to kind of shine some spotlight on that on, on that little uh, ta- that talent that kind of showed up in there. Uh, but the main thing I want to talk to you is especially, especially when coming off of talking about Zoe Deschanel's the manic pixie dream girl, um, especially in Five Hundred Days of Summer. And I was what when I was rewatching it for this re-recording, you know, something came to me that didn't come to me the first time. Uh, so they are essentially each other's manic pixie dream girls in this movie. You know? Do you know understand what I mean?
1: Kind of. Because the thing is. The thing is, he is fake though. Like, well, not fake, but like he—he he is forced to be a manic trip, uh, manic pixie dream boy. True,
0: but um, I, I was just you know,
1: like, so, so it's not like she, and you know, that's the thing. Like, oh, she, she really likes the person he is. It's not just that he does like wild and crazy things, but the reason she initially likes him is because it's it almost reminds me of Aladdin, right? You know, like mm-hmm. he meets Jasmine because. Well, he meets her before, but like when they when they're romantic, it's like, oh, I'm a prince, but he's not a prince. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so it's like kind of the same thing. So like, I kind of I ha I only half agree with you. If it wasn't well, for him being forced to say yes, he wouldn't be.
0: Well, that's you know, well, Mr. Exciting. Well, that's true. Except she doesn't know that for the majority of the movie. So for the majority of the movie, he is just Mr. Exciting. And that's kind of what I mean by that, because she says a couple times, she says stuff like, oh, he's like, no one I ever met before. Oh, he's like, I think she even says, oh, he's so spontaneous. She's talking to other people. Uh, So, you know, that's kind of interesting that and I actually kind of think that she's less of a manic pixie dream girl than a maybe that we saw in 500 Days of Summer. Just because I feel like in this one, she has an actual personality outside of that she you know she's a, she's an actual photographer she has her own goals her own ambitions they may not be big ones but she actually has them and like in 500 days of summer i was one of my biggest issues with it is that the character of summer you know nothing about her at all she leaves her job why we have no idea uh and so i actually kind of thought it was interesting that you know, maybe she is a manic pixie dream girl in this food, but from her perspective and the way she talks, he's a manic dr- pixie dream guy, you know, until she finds out at the end that it's all fake or whatever. But she was buying into all the, oh, he just hops on planes or, oh, he comes from, he often just spontaneously does all night benders with Red Bull and then goes jogging in the park. Y- you know, I-, I just, I really thought that was kind of an interesting sort of gender flip on that because, you know she even thinks about it at the end she says i don't know anything about you and that's true she really didn't accept that he was just interesting and did stuff that's different so i i kind of stopped seemed that seemed interesting <laughs> exactly he seemed interesting she seemed yeah he seemed interesting that's true he seemed interesting but as far as she knew that's how the two he was until the reveal at the airport that he just did this class or this uh or i call it a cult because it's basically what it was
1: <laughs> i i agree um to some extent uh like for, i fully agree with the fact that she's a more fleshed out character than she was in 500 days mm-hmm. and that is by design like the whole point of 500 days we talked about is that uh tom fell in love with the idea of summer and not the actual person Mm -hmm. uh but i will say i don't think she's like a full like because having like a real like three-dimensional character is understanding someone's motivation and we never really get into the why like she takes like you know polaroids of things and she like she's she's very weird and quirky but we don't like why why are you teaching people photography why why I don't know. Like, I guess it's cause she likes to give back. I think there's a line about like, Oh, it's almost like serving the community, like right. teaching people exercise and stuff, but it's not like we get into like her, you know, past and anything like that. And she, we don't need to, this isn't a movie where we need a character study on the, the girl. Like this, yeah. this is a, a very like by the numbers Hollywood comedy. Uh, but I, w- she, I will say that you're right. She is definitely, more of a character uh, than in 500 Days of Summer. But that was also kind of the point of that movie is that she wasn't supposed to be a fully rounded character because it's all from Tom's perspective and he never took the the time to get to know her outside of, like, his obsessive interest in her quirks. Um, whereas this one, like, I mean... Uh, Jim Carrey's character does I forgot what his name is but Carl <laughs> but but like she's there's more to her than just being quirky and that's for sure and there's also a point at which it's too weird for her like if she was a real truly manic pixie dream girl nothing would bother her right. and by the end of the movie that's not true there's lines that uh, you, can, you can't cross with her Um, and that actually was like the, one of the funniest bits for me with this movie was all the payoff for all the crazy things that he's been doing. Yes. Um, so like he gets confronted at an airport, uh, because a lot of the things he's been doing is very suspicious, especially at the time. This was post nine 11. I mean, it's post nine 11 now, but like at the time it was a lot worse. Um, as far as like suspecting people and like he was learning Korean, he had a mail order bride, um, he was he, he, he was did. learning something else. Right, oh yeah, that he was kind he, of he, sketchy.
0: he took he took he went to flying school.
1: Flying flying lessons. That's what it was. Now that there's been like a, a few more weeks for me to stew on it, I think part of what is so funny is the realization never occurs to the audience until that moment. Just how suspicious any of that stuff
0: is. Right, and you're like, like that's oh what's yeah. Funny is
1: like that. Once it dawns on you how how very red flaggy a lot of that stuff is you start laughing because you're like oh my god (laughs) like if if i were to like go out and do all this exciting stuff i'd probably be on a list you know (laughs)
0: like like you said that's that's one of the things that the movie said has that's its strength is it does it, it pays off essentially everything weird that he does you know and what's cool is is we get to essentially see both sides of the coin. We get to see all the great things that can happen when you say yes. And then we get to see the problems that arise when you just blindly say yes. You know, the good things being like, he's able to talk that guy off the ledge through song. He helps his, uh, his friends, uh, fiance pick out, uh, uh, stationary for her, for their wedding because he spoke Korean and he was able to you know find out Well he was also able
1: to uh set that Korean girl up with uh wasn't it the male nurse? Not the male nurse, no, the manager was, at the um, bank, Norman. That's what it was. That's what it was.
0: And um, so we
1: get to, Who was a great character by the way. That that actor I haven't seen in a while but he's very Yeah, he was his, he, his he was kind was of
0: cute. fun. It was he was cute, it was fun. But like I said you get you get to kind of see what we get to see the point of what I guess the Terrence is the guy who runs the cult with the point he makes at the end before he actually makes the point we, we get to see, you know, by opening yourself up to new experiences, you get to experience more of life. You get to uh, enjoy things. You get to, you get, you get, to, I already said things never before, but you, all the pauses that come with it. But then he's like, you know, you do also say, you can also say no to things that you genuinely don't want to do. The point is just to not automatically shut them down. And so then we can see, well, when we just kind of blindly do everything, we, something bad could happen. Like apparently showing up on a terrorist watch list or something like that.
1: I think I told you this story last time, but I had, there was a guy in high school who like when this movie came out, he like proclaimed like to everyone at school, like, Oh, I'm going to do this for like a month or so." Stupid to like come out and say that you're going to say yes to everything. And that's what he meant too. like, he was going to do a Jim Carrey style and say yes to everything. Even if it sounds like a bad idea, immediately got taken advantage of by everybody. Oh, uh, can you buy me a Coke? Can you buy, you know, like, but again, he didn't really
0: he, it was he, almost he's like
1: childish the way. It's well, like, all it's all—it's almost like thing he missed that the guy the, po- in the movie did,
0: but it's also he missed. It's like it's like kind of like with Five Hundred Days of Summer. He missed the point of the movie. The point of yes, the movie is not and, to just you know it was, say yes to everything.
1: <laughs> he was like 16, 17 year seventeen-year-old boy, so of course he's not going to think it through. It, it's just funny. I always think of that with this movie. Um, not the movie's fault, you know. Uh, it's just funny when people don't. T- anyway, um, but yeah, no, this movie has a lot of heart. That's what's uh, probably its greatest strength. Um for comedy it's like hit or miss with me. Again, I feel like like the writing is solid and it's all situation based. Like a lot of the funniness comes from like the sort of predicaments he gets in right. with him having to say all this stuff. Uh one thing uh like I I almost forgot about that did kind of bother me watching this is I forgot how much product placement there was in yes. it. Yes.
0: Not only um, did we have the famous Red Bull scene, but when I was rewatching yes. it, I'm like, "Oh, this is not advertise for Tempur Pedic, too." <laughs> so,
1: just, so, just, so, Mr. Carey, what we need is for you to say Red Bull as many times as you can in the in a span of 30 seconds. If you can get it to 100, we'll give you a million dollar raise.
0: And if you can also just also prove the fact that uh, that your partner won't feel movement on the bed if you have a temperedic. that'd be great also thanks
1: oh god yeah I forgot about that one <laughs> yeah and and some of it made some sense like this was a Warner Brothers film so of course they're gonna plug Harry Potter and that you know that doesn't bother me that much it was just weird like I, I until we had watched this for the show I forgot how much and I think part of it had to do with funding the movie especially yeah. if you're gonna have like a big actor like Jim Carrey I think they had to you know uh fill out fill out the uh, the budget a little bit so i understand it it's just the sort of thing that doesn't age well like in another ten, like it's been 10 years since the movie came out in another 10 years I Feel like it might come off as a little more dated than it already is. Well, and like, well, essentially, because
0: um, this is actually the second time I've watched a scripted program that had Red Bull as product play. So the other notable example I can think of is Legally Blonde the Musical. Not the stage play, but oh when. Oh,
1: God. Yeah. You told me about this. Yeah. Stage play. The
0: stage play. So when they did. It 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 does not look like the whole. It was in the actual play. It Looks like it was funding or sponsorship for this recording that's showed on MTV, um, because in the middle of the pre intermission song, he's like, oh, she. He walks into her bedroom and she has like a whole shelf of Red Bull, and he's like so you like red bull and she just yells it gives me energy and then later in the same song he's like oh I, he's like drinking red Bull, the, the male leads drinking red bull he's like and i'm loving it but like uh, and, and I, i'm like 98 because that's during a song but it does not show up on the soundtrack so i'm like 98 sure that, that that fortunately that was just for that one performance uh with it being sponsored by mtv and everything but i'm like yeah, apparently I red hope bull so,
1: because... i hope
0: red bull <laughs> well, the... does that a lot apparently
1: Yeah, otherwise, that'd be, like, straight-up Orwellian. Like, geez, like, even, you know, the theater isn't safe. (laughs) Well, well, speaking of... We proudly (laughs) serve Twizzlers in the lobby.
0: (laughs) Um... So we talked about how this relates to kind of how it compares to 500 Days of Summer. The other thing I wanted to really compare about this is the friends in this movie versus the friends in the other movie. Uh, you know, and like I said, my big shock with this movie was when I saw this, I was expecting it to be very bros, bro-y sort of hangover-y sort of comedy. And it wasn't. It had more heart than that. And especially when you compare the friends in in the indie emotional in touch with your movie in 500 Days of Summer and how problematic and creepy they were and compared to these friends and these friends, they're not great because they still kind of take advantage of him, but they're not like creepy you know what i mean so i
1: (laughs) yeah well and also the taking advantage like bradley cooper does it but he's mostly just trying to like get him to quit it yeah you know because he knows it's a bad idea to like just say yes to everything so it's more for his own good like hey i appreciate you're trying to change your lifestyle but this is stupid and crazy and you need to stop so i'm going to keep making you do things you don't want to do until you stop so it's much more of like like a friendly sort of messing with him yeah other Than like you know trying to make tom genuinely uncomfortable in front of summer or whatever or like saying like oh dude did you did you bang her yet you know
0: um. <laughs> yeah and then and then at least and then i think the other guy's name i think his name was rooney i think was the other friend he he was just straight up to taking advantage just because he could but he wasn't like he was doing that and that was like wrong but he, he wasn't like He he didn't make me uncomfortable, you know, like uh, some of the other Freds in 500 Days of Summer did.
1: (laughs) For sure. Um, And I do think some of that, like, comes with the oversight of having, you know, studio backing. Yeah, you're going to have, like, focus groups and stuff. Watch the movie beforehand. So you're not going to, you know, and that's the thing, too. This was like very much trying to make profit, you know, big, big stars and everything, uh, marketing it as like a return to form for Jim Carrey so like they they were they were trying very hard to hit all of the you know and and yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong i just think it's uh it's very calculated and it's it's a good script honestly it like, w- it was uh, a good it's script very solidly written like this is another one of those where it's like if you're learning how to write a screenplay this is one to to if it's one of your favorite movies, watch it like a hundred times. Cause you'll learn how to write a good comedy. We're,
0: yeah. Like I said, it was say, like, it would just make us laugh. It, you know, it, it, overall it's good. So, uh, so I guess now we're getting to the point to recommend, not recommend. Where are you standing? Well, so
1: w- I did talk about this last time we recorded and I'm glad we kind of saved it for the end. It's probably a better idea, but I will mm-hmm. say one thing. Um, in the times we're living in and stuff, one thing I... And again, this is outside of the movie. This has nothing to do with recommend or anything. But one thing uh, with Jim Carrey, lately he's been kind of heralded as, like, very, like, heroic figure fighting with people on Twitter, being, like, very political and stuff. And it is very funny to watch him fight with Mussolini's granddaughter. <laughs> Wait, like, are you serious? anti-Trump stuff or whatever. But one thing that just irks me and I feel like no one talks about nearly as much is that he's... Uh, as far as i know still an anti-vaxxer in the early 2000s him and his wife jenny mccarthy were uh doing the whole vaccines cause autism thing and you know that was a while ago and they are divorced now but he has never really like come out and said that that's not the case and kind of with how things are with the pandemic and everything i think it would be nice if he uh you know had something to say uh, mm-hmm. and the fact that he doesn't say anything kind of makes me think he still believes that vaccines cause autism and that somehow autism is like something to be avoided to the point where you'd rather catch COVID-19 which I think is a pretty toxic thing So, you know, again, has nothing to do with the movie, but just with everything going on, like I figured it's like worth mentioning that it's something I personally don't really agree with. Mm -hmm. Um, And it hurts my feelings a little bit. because Again, (laughs) I was I was a huge fan of the I kind of like as an actor, I still am a huge fan of the guy. And uh, as far as like with your view on it being like. Uh, like thinking this was going to be like a bro comedy. I really do recommend you check out his like early work. Cause I think you'd like a lot of Jim Carrey's movies. Cause most of them do have heart to mm-hmm. them. Again, liar, liar. The point of the movie is not to lie to people, you know, um, uh, dumb and dumber is a really great movie. It's like a buddy comedy. And not the second it's one. It's very though. like, cl- <laughs> no, not the, se- the second one. Holy crap. like, let us know if you want us to review that. That is like a whole, basket of bad ideas um and then uh the mask is a really like interesting idea of like a superhero movie uh
0: have you seen um the Truman Show I have not seen I know the premise but I know I have not seen it yet check out his old movies like from the
1: 90s I think you'd like a lot of them Cable Guy is another one uh that I I watched a few years ago I never grew up with it but that one's a pretty interesting, like, sort of it's like it's like a comedy mixed with a psychological thriller um where jim carrey's playing like a very very needy friend um
0: well i just remember but, seeing the cover of that one in um like dvd bins and on dvd shelves and i remember just the cover artwork as a young child freaked me out because he, right? he looks evil um, on the dvd box
1: you'll see why if you see the movie, it's not a scary movie, but it is again. It's like, if you took a psychological, like uh, thriller and mixed it with a comedy, that's what it is. It's basically mm-hmm. like he befriends the cable guy and the cable guy's kind of unhinged. Oh, okay. Um, not in a violent, <laughs> scary. Well, eh, but, uh, that's like, the, and that's, <laughs> don't the give the game is. away. But it's, um, I, and the the other one, I actually had the same. It didn't scare me, but I remember being intrigued by the cover of that one. The other one was Dumb and Dumber. When I was too young to see the movie, I had remembered like being like, whoa, this cover's like goofy looking. And then when I was old enough to see it, it was like the my favorite thing for a while. But I do think you should watch some and maybe we should review some of his old movies. I'm kind of thinking of like what we might be looking at next year. And I might put one of his on there. But I, I do encourage you, if you liked this, watch some of his other movies. Like Bruce Almighty's one that you've seen. Um, you know, that's kind of another, like, in in the same arena as this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, you know, highly recommend his old stuff and even, like, his dramatic work. Uh, the guy's a talented actor. I oh, no I, doubt. You know, disagreed. I wish I didn't disagree with uh, a lot of things he thinks is, like, a, a normal person or just other weird stuff he's done like being creepy to emma stone on youtube in 2010 but like (laughs) you know the the guy is talented like and and he's probably like if he's in a movie he's gonna do a good job um and as much as i'm digging into him it's like it you know doesn't reflect poorly on this movie particularly i will say uh another another notable actor the guy who plays like the um not cult leader, but like the guy who created the whole yes, man. Oh, movement. Terrence uh, he's like a, something. Hold on.
0: I haven't. Yeah. He's here.
1: a great dramatic actor. He's, he was in Billy bud. He's been in star Wars. Like he's, he's really cool. Terrence like stamp. That's his name. Terrence, Terrence stamp. stamp. Who plays um, yeah, Terrence? Somebody else in this one. <laughs> yeah. I love how they didn't even change his first name. He's like, <laughs> yeah, we'll just call
0: you Terrence. So we're at the time of the episode. Recommend, not recommend. Recommend.
1: So for me, um, hasn't changed since the last time we recorded. I don't think this is a bad movie, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like with Five Hundred Days of Summer and this, they're kind of like the same. Where they're not the best, but they're not the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, again, I feel like if if you just like comedies, um, uh, or you need something like kind of positive to watch, then sure. But if you're looking for like Jim Carrey at his best, this is not it. It's not his fault. Uh, but this movie just doesn't play to his strengths, and a lot of the jokes. There are a lot of funny jokes, but there's also a lot of like doing anything for a laugh kind of jokes like the infamous Red Bull scene Mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, other things like that. But uh, so it's not bad, but I would say that if you're looking for the best, you could go elsewhere. So for this one, it's my first pass, I think, for the entirety of the show. I think you're Um, actually right. I think it is your first pass. So so pass for me, but like light pass. I don't think this is a bad movie by any stretch. I actually think the script is really strong. But I just don't think it is super, like, again, it doesn't play to Jim Carrey's strengths. And for that, I feel like it suffers because they could have gotten someone who's better at situational comedy. Right. Who might have made the movie a little funnier. Uh,
0: so but- I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to be just on the other side of the needle from you. Like you said, you're the light pass. I'm a light recommend. I've come down a little bit since I last, because I think I was a strong recommend last time. Uh, but with rewatching it, I was just very, I was like, okay, you know, like you said, there's not, it's, it's weird. It's like, there's nothing wrong. I mean, well, you, there were some few things that we talked about, but there's nothing like that's totally, that would make me just go pass based on this, but there's nothing that's really like, yeah, recommend either about it. You know, it's kind of, it's a movie that has been done better in other forms like you said it doesn't play to jim carrey's strengths but it's still kind of cute and he still has kind of a good script um but i like to see the glasses half full (laughs) so that's my take on it
1: and it makes sense too this is like a very i know uh very like emotionally uplifting movies are something that plays very well to your liking so i'm not surprised um and again, I don't think this... I, I actually do think it's a pretty uplifting movie. Great way to kick off the summer. Yeah, uh, very you know. light. It is It is a much more like straightforward romantic comedy. I almost like... It almost just feels like a comedy. Like It, I, it technically is, because it's like the whole getting the girl at the end, but it doesn't feel like it's trying to be like a quote-unquote romantic comedy. Yeah. Um, but it's good. And it, sadly, it was not the return to form that Jim Carrey was hoping, because after this, he signed on to a bunch of projects that did not do well and apparently weren't very good. But Wonderstone was one. He was in that. Uh, I think it's Mr. Poplar's Penguins.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, that,
1: which I know I've met some people who were kids when that movie came out and they're like, oh, I love that one. Apparently didn't love it hard enough because it bombed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think I think it's but, one of those and movies. And apparently
1: it wasn't good. I didn't see it. Uh,
0: I think but, it's one of those know. movies that because it bombed, it was able to be picked up cheap for reruns on like Nickelodeon or Disney or something, uh, yeah. and a lot of people saw it and developed a following of it that way.
1: Uh, there are tons. I'm guilty of this myself. When you see things as a kid even if it's terrible you just develop like a nostalgic emotional connection to it and you love it and when you're like grown up you're just like oh wow i liked this yikes (laughs) (laughs) uh so i haven't seen it i can't speak on it i just know people were like making fun of it at the time and he's kind of taking a break I, i can't think of the last thing he was in really um like, I know he would, obviously he's busy Twitter fighting. He's also <laughs> he does, like, painting in his free time, which I think his painting looks pretty good. Oh, OK. Uh, there's so... like a Vimeo video of him doing it. He does it for, like, his own, like, mental health.
0: Oh, that's nice. And he's he's Yeah, he's doing. he's let's just say he's practicing self-care right now.
1: You know what else he is that I'm very uh, interested to know if we if we got to interview him, this would be like the first question I asked him. But so he in his, like, early 20s, he was a huge metalhead which is like my favorite genre of music. Uh, You haven't seen Ace Ventura, but uh, there's like a cameo from a metal band called Cannibal Corpse in the movie. And that was him. (laughs) Like he wanted them in the movie. And there's even interviews with the band where they're like, yeah, he was like a fan like, he came up to us. Like we walked out of the trailer and he walks up to us and he's like, Oh, what's up guys. What's up? Uh, Are you going to be playing hammer smash face or, you know? And it's like,
0: (laughs) it's just me, a fellow metalhead."
1: I just wonder if he still listens to it because he's very like hippy dippy piece and everything nowadays. So I'm like, I wonder that part of the reason he I've heard him talk about it. And it's because he used to work as a janitor when he was doing stand up comedy. Mm -hmm. And he was like very angry. So he was like listening to angry music. Um, so well, probably you know, doesn't listen to well, it anymore. He, but I don't he, know. It'd be cool if he did.
0: He, he he probably could. You know, just your your preferred genre doesn't necessarily dictate your worldview. You can be doom and gloom on your music, but be yes, peace, love, and happiness for all. and well,
1: for sure. That's that's how I am. But you never know. Maybe <laughs> maybe it was too.
0: Uh, it's too know, dark maybe, now. Maybe
1: he associates it with a dark time. something but i don't know uh again i'm curious if he still listens to it while we were talking about that i did uh mention this last time we recorded and i did want to touch on it again because i think it's a cool little like note on his acting but so he did a thing that anthony oh goodness um hannibal lecter anthony hopkins
0: anthony hopkins Hopkins
1: did in uh silence the lambs so We've all heard of, like, method acting, you know, where you pretend you're the character even outside, you know, of the movie, which is not always a good idea. Uh, and then there's a, a style of acting that I actually think is kind of neat where you just play the character as yourself, but, like, as the character. So a little bit more laid back. But uh, what Han- what uh, Anthony Hopkins did for Hannibal Lecter is he did an, I don't know what it's called, but you basically try and personify an animal. Mm-hmm. Um, And so for Silence of the Lambs, he tried to sort of channel a tarantula and a lizard.
0: I can see the lizard with the eyes, yeah.
1: So so for Ace Ventura, Jim Carrey, he actually talked to Anthony Hopkins about that. And so what he did for that movie is he did the same thing, but he was channeling like a tropical bird, like a parrot or a cock- uh, cockatoo. I can and see that. And that's why he's wearing those Hawaiian shirts and his hair is done that way is because like in, he was like, oh, this character is very like showy kind of like these birds that he's very loud and he's very flamboyant. Yeah. So like, I'm going that to, makes and sense. even the way he walks and stuff is very like, you know, it kind of reminds you of that. It's one of those facts when you hear it, you like can't unsee it when you watch the movie. And I, I don't know how many more actors have used that uh, style, but it's interesting. And I do think it, at least in both of those cases, I think it turned out a good product. So but that's just, I don't know. Some people have heard of that, but uh, if you haven't, I just always found that interesting about that character in that movie. All
0: right. Uh, <laughs> no, sorry. sorry. On that note. On that note, just because I'm looking at our time clock here. Um, so we're glad you could join us for what turned out to unintentionally be Day Deschanel month. And we should do it next year. <laughs> Zoe the many, the many roles of Zoe Deschanel. Let's or do it. Or just
1: pick like a different actress um, and a different random month.
0: Exactly. Just... just do it. Kate uh, Blanchett month. <laughs>
1: oh man, hell yeah, that would be awesome.
0: Uh, but we're uh. we're <laughs> we're glad y'all tuned in to listen to us again this month. Uh, we'll see you next month again for us. Uh, so we're doing our second annual blockbuster month for july so we'll be excited to have you guys here don't forget to subscribe click notification bell if you're on youtube and i don't know how it works in the other podcasting forum but you can follow us please follow us we love having new listeners and we love kind of just talking about what we know very little about (laughs) Uh, stop shilling just kidding uh
1: but we will thanks for hanging with us guys and we will Um, catch you all until next next time yeah until next time stay thirsty
0: reels on the rocks is a production of le prince laboratories it is edited and produced by alejandro castillo and features original artwork by ace Sparza and original music by pat mars follow us on twitter at reels on the rocks and tweet at us with any movies or topics you'd like us to discuss in the future Mm-hmm. <laughs>